Have you ever really wondered what love is? Like, what is the definition of love? I can tell you it's not a boyfriend telling, oh, babe, I love you. And it's not necessarily making love to somebody. But have you ever really wondered what love is? And what society means when they say we should love one another and that'll fix all the problems? If you're asking yourself that question today, then stay tuned to the episode of Apostate Beliefs. We're going to talk about love. This is Katie Thomas on Being Bold. Love is, as we know, a mysterious and controlling force. It has vast power over our thoughts and life decisions. It demands our loyalty, and we, in turn, freely comply. Saying no to love isn't simply heresy. It is tragedy. The failure to achieve what is most essentially human. So deeply internalized is our obedience to this most capricious despo that artists create passionate odes to its cruelty and audiences seem to never tire of the most deeply unoriginal mass spectacles devoted to rehearsing the litany of its torments, fixating their very beings on the narrowest glimmer of its fleeting satisfactions. New York Times posted this on October 14th of 2001, and the part that I think is the most interesting about this article is the fact that their opening sentence is love is as we know it, a mysterious and controlling force. Now the idea in society today is that whenever we look at love, we must love everybody. Love who you love, chase what you love, do what you love. But what exactly is love to society today? I mean, if you just Google it, what are you gonna get? I'll tell you what you're gonna get. You're gonna get two nouns and a verb. The first noun of which is an intense feeling of deep affection. The second, a person or thing that one loves. And finally, the verb, to feel a deep romantic or even sexual attachment to someone. This is the mysterious and controlling force that we are going after today in society. But the problem is, for the Christian, it's a little bit more complicated than that. In fact, when we look at what Christians believe about love, it's not this. The problem today is that this social construct of the mysterious force of, quote, love is infiltrating our churches all across the states. In fact, it's causing an apostate belief about what love is. With the idea of serving social justice to minority groups and accepting, especially recently, the idea of gay marriage and transgenders for who they are, and what they do has infiltrated our churches into accepting sinful behavior that the Bible does not support. And it's not just that. It's not just the idea of homosexuality, but it's the idea of adultery. It's the idea of divorce. It's the idea of living with people before you marry. The Bible does not support any of this. And some churches might even go ahead and tell kids to not listen to their parents and have a new worldview based on what they interpret in the Bible. These apostate beliefs, especially that about love, is infiltrating our churches across the United States to the point where some churches are writing sermons about it. When we look at what sermons and churches are saying and what social media is saying and what people are saying, oftentimes the idea is this idea of civility. In fact, there is one sermon that says, what's love got to do with it from a church? And I've been researching just... In general, what churches are believing about love and acceptance and different ideas that society has constructed in order to bring equality to everybody. 
Because whenever we look at Christians, the idea is that love will unite us all. Love being that thing I defined a second ago, mysterious and controlling force. And that doctrine being the Bible, God's word, divides us. Therefore, we should chase love rather than the Bible, even though love is defined in the Bible as something of God. In fact, the idea today is that we are incivil to one another. We are not civil. We are not accepting. We are not anything that would be good for society. In fact, 75% of Americans agree with the statement that incivility in America has risen to crisis levels. I mean, I would agree that this unity is everywhere. It's absolutely everywhere. You see it in protests. You see it in the media. You see it on the news when you turn it on, even though the news stations you probably turned on to are ridiculous and great at causing divisions. But the idea that is now infiltrating our churches, especially those that are apostate, is that we just point fingers and we are part of the problem. In fact, whenever we look to the Bible, oftentimes people want to cherry pick a specific scripture about love and just base their idea that if we are like this, all our problems will be solved. That love, that is a controlling and mysterious force according to the New York Times, is the love that Christians are applying to the context of 1 Corinthians 13, which in my, in my Bible, uh, the title of the passage is Love the Superior Way. So we're talking about love, but we don't set a definition in society, let alone the churches where the idea of acceptance is infiltrating their sermons, their teaching, and their doctrine that doesn't support the idea of what Christ did on the cross. And this idea of love, the mysterious and controlling force, is what has been applied to this passage. So we're going to look at three things whenever we look at this passage today. 1 Corinthians 13 and see how society, churches, and people who don't know Christ are misconstruing the idea of love and why his love is most important and why his love should be being taught and why his love has the power to unite us whereas that mysterious and controlling force of deep affection and sexual attraction is what is dividing america because love from ourselves is division whereas love through christ unites us all now the first thing i want to talk about today but after i read the scripture is going to be the idea of what is love and what does it mean to love so let's go ahead and jump into first corinthians 13. We're going to be reading verses 1 through verses 3. If I speak human or angelic languages but do not have love, I am the sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I donate all my goods to feed the poor, and if I give my body in order to boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. What sticks out to me most about this passage is the idea of what love is or what our actions are without love. I first heard this passage whenever Freaking and Country released their song, Proof of Your Love. They have a version of the song called the monologue version where they speak a specific kind of version of this. And I want to read the version of this to you because it's a little bit different, but it is just as powerful. And if you'll give me one second to pull it up. So the first thing I want to note whenever we're looking at this is that this passage shows us what love really means. How we can live our lives, but if we don't live our lives in a way that is loving, being, we haven't defined that yet, then we're nothing. And whenever we look at what the church is saying here is, 
if I have the talent of languages, if I have the talent of prophecy, if I have the talent of faith move mountains, what is required for that? Love is required for that. And what kind of love? The love Christ gave us. The love of Christ. See, I like whenever we look at this lyrics from For King Country, the version that they read says, If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all of his mysteries and making everything as plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but do not love, I am nothing. If I give all I own to the poor, even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've got nowhere. So no matter what I say, no matter what I believe, no matter what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. And it's from the message. So this is, this is something that resonates with me. And sorry, it took me a second to pull it up. But this is something that resonates with me and has ever since I heard the song in eighth grade. And their whole song, if you want to go listen to it, is absolutely amazing and kind of elaborates on this scripture a lot. But the first thing I want to know is that we can be good people, but without love, it means nothing. In the same way, I look at it as whenever we try to live a good life. If we don't know Christ, then we have nothing. Nothing that we do matters. Nothing that we say matters. Nothing in this world matters more than Christ's love. Because Christ's love was demonstrated when he died on the cross for us. So when we look at this scripture and we see that being a good person is not enough, we have to understand that the idea of going out and feeding the poor, for instance, or going out and giving up my body to be burned at the stake as a martyr, if you don't have Christ's love, if you don't have love, then what's the point? There is no point. There's no point because we haven't really, we don't have Christ's love. Now, society might take this verse and there are churches all across the states that are misconstruing this. And they're saying, well, if we just follow the definition of love given below, then we'll be good people and that'll solve the problem. But most churches that are apostate, or most churches that have the doctrine of love, but it's, it's not Jesus's love, it's society's mysterious and controlling force type of love, they mess us up. Because they say, if I'm just, if we look down further, if we're just not rude, if we're just kind, if we're just good people, then that's what love is, is being kind, being good people. But if we look back earlier in the chapter of what I just read, being that kind, good person, doing kind, good things without love means we have nothing. So, what we have to understand in the scripture then is what is love? Because if love is a mysterious and controlling force, or if love is just affection, then think of it this way. Speaking human and angelic languages, you could do that passionately. You could do that for affection with somebody. If I had the gift of prophecy, that could be out of love for somebody. But my favorite one to look at is if I donate all my goods to feed the poor. So we look at that. That's something that's really good. That's something that's kind. That's something that's not rude. That's something that's really good. That's something that might, someone might say is loving. Yet, just because we do it, if we don't do it without love, as in Christ's love, it is nothing. Just because we're patient about it, kind about it, not envious about it, that's not the whole definition of love. That's just what love shows. That's an expression of love. So just because I'm a good person doesn't necessarily mean that I am loving doesn't mean that I show love. So if I'm a good person and I just, if I accept the person who says, yeah, um, I slept with somebody, even though I'm married to somebody else. If I just accept that sin, if I'm like, yeah, that's fine because you know, I love you and all that. 
I'm a good, I'm going to treat you good because, you know, I'm a good person or anything like that. If there's no foundation for what love is, if there's no foundation for Christ, then it's not enough. You gain nothing. And a lot of churches leave out this part. You know, it's, it's sad to me because it's the most powerful part of this passage, in my opinion, especially in the message version. If I go to stake to be burned as a martyr, that, that rung out, that really resonated with me. But people want to forget this part because what they want to focus on is further into the passage, which is what I want to focus on now. So the second thing I observe is that love is not always easy to do. And whenever we look at what people will call love, 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 verses four through seven, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, is not boastful, is not conceited. It does not act improperly, is not selfish, is not provoked, and it does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So the first thing is that this is not easy to do. I mean, aside from the fact that none of us are perfect, let's look to the fact that love is patient. I am not a patient person. Um, If you know me, you know that I can get really impatient. Uh, Love does not envy. I've definitely been jealous of people. So when we look at this scripture... Loving people is not an easy feat to do. So for churches and society to claim that love will fix everything, it's a demanding claim. It's demanding because even if we cut out the idea that Christ is love in this passage and solely look at it like churches are looking at it today, then they're just saying, if you do this, 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 and this, it'll solve these problems. There will be no more incivility, or at least it will be brought down. But the fact of the matter is, it's not something that can easily be fixed. Because in order for the problems of incivility to be fixed, in order for the problems of not being rude to be fixed, you have to uphold all these things, all these constructs of love that people are taking out of the Bible. So when people say, love is patient, that is one thing that I know I cannot always uphold. And so because people cannot always uphold these things, we cannot have a perfect love. That's because we're human. We cannot perfectly love people. We cannot perfectly express our love in these ways. So the idea that if we just are more patient and more kind and less envious, without a standard, without a standard of what love is, then ultimately we're going to fail. We're going to fail time and time again, and incivility is going to continue. So this idea that we can fix incivility by these few verses in the Bible is completely absurd because there's no foundation for love if you just cherry-pick these verses. And that is a huge, huge problem. And not only that, but when we look to the idea that A lot of churches say, oh, well, the characteristic of love that specifically relates to civility is love is not rude. Not being rude to people is not going to show them love. That's not showing them love. Because if we think about it, I can be civil to somebody and still have apathy for them. Think about somebody you may not like at work or at school or that you see at the DMV or that you see at the mall or anywhere, really. If you see them and you really hate them or you just don't like them, you can be civil to them. But that doesn't mean you love them. So the idea that civility equals love is not rude is completely absurd. Because when we look at love, love cannot equal civility. If civility means that you don't have to love somebody. And I think that the fact that society says, well, if we just love everybody or if we're just more civil to one another, the world will be united. It doesn't work like that. And it's backwards. And once again, we come to the problem of If we don't have a foundation for what love is, then we don't understand the scripture as much. It can just be used for whatever we want. And whenever we look to what we're going to look at next is that love never ends because truth of Christ never ends. 
That's the third observation. But when we look to it, ultimately what we see is that when we find the definition of love and what it really means, then the scripture makes more sense. And the call on our lives to love one another makes more sense. But the thing is, churches aren't teaching that today. Churches aren't teaching that. They're teaching the idea that love will fix everything, but not Christ's love. It's our love that will fix everything. It's our civility that will fix everything. And when we look at this passage saying, our love, our civility, our acceptance, problems will not be solved. Because we are sinful, we are human, we cannot perfectly love people. Now the third observation, like I said, was that love never ends because truth of Christ never ends. So I want to go ahead and finish out reading this passage. Love never ends, but as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for languages, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. For now we indistinctly as in a mirror. But then face to face, now I know in part. But then I will know fully, as I am fully known. Now these three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So a hefty piece of scripture. And a few things I want to note about it. The first of which is it says in here, But when the perfect comes... The partial will come to an end. We're talking about Christ's love. When Christ comes back, the perfect one who, when he lived his life on earth, lived a spotless life so that way we could know him and we would not have to die. We would not have to die eternally. When the perfect love and the perfect sacrifice comes back, then all partiality of love will go away. What this implies is that we can only partially love without Christ. And even with, even with Christ's love, because we're human, it will not be perfect. So what this implies is that if we look at love with the societal definition of a controlling force or that it's just affection, it will only be partial. It will, it will never be enough because we're not perfect. And that's the first thing that stands out to me in the scripture. But the second thing that stands out to me is actually found in verse Six and, six and seven, where it says, love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. The fact of the matter is, perfect love, the love of Christ, is truth. It is the truth. With a capital T, it is the truth. Because God sent his son down on the cross to die for us as the ultimate sacrifice. Because he loved us with a perfect love. A love that no one on this earth can love us with. And it's powerful love. So whenever we look to it rejoices in truth, love, because God is perfect and God is the truth. God is also love. And we actually find this in 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. He says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into a world that we might live through him. This is love. Not for that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he is in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen 
and testify that Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they live in, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have a confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us his command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. This goes all the way through verse 21, and it's a little bit to read. But what John lays out for us in this hefty piece of scripture is what love is. God is love, and his love comes into us. And we, what, they, what the Bible says and what John said is that whoever lies in love lives, lives in God, not lies, lives in God, and in God in them. And God is the perfect picture of love. When we go back over the scripture in Corinthians and what Paul is writing, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy. A perfect love, love in the superior way, the love of Christ, we have Christ in us. This is the expression of love. When Christ is in us, this is how it is. And this is how we aspire to be. Because through God, we know how to love others. It's through God and his spirit in us that we understand how to love our brothers and sisters. Aside from that, you get the incivility that is problematic in society and the division in society. And I'm not just talking division Christians between non-Christians, but even the idea in the apostate church that says we should follow love without knowing that we should follow Christ and follow God for what he has already set forth. To say that we can solve civility problems in the United States or across the world by being a better person, not being rude, puts aside the truth. It puts aside the truth that Christ died for us because God loved us and his love is perfect for us and his love is enough for us. To try and be a good person without Christ's love, we will mess up. We will not be patient. We will not be able to solve civility problems. We will envy. And we will make excuses. Because love is not easy to do. But it is made easier when you live a life that follows Christ. It is made easier when you follow him and have his spirit in you. And when you're in his word and understand what Jesus did. What the ultimate sacrifice was. What love really was. Churches don't acknowledge this nowadays. The doctrine is of love, but it's not of Christ's love. It's of society's definition of love, and they apply society's definition of love to these scriptures without understanding the weight of this scripture is the weight of God's love for us. Love is not just a deep affection God has for us. It's, it's more imaginable. It's more unimaginable, rather, than that. It is bigger than we could ever imagine. It is more passionate than we could ever imagine. It is so passionate he sent his one and only son to die for us. That is how much he loved us, even though we were sinners, even though we messed up, even though we will mess up again and again and again. Because when we put our faith in Christ, he forgives our past sins, our present sins, and our future sins. And that is the kind of love that we can only demonstrate through him. And that demonstration is found in 1 Corinthians 13. On our own, we cannot do this. We cannot give it justice. But churches are preaching this. Society is preaching this. Without Christ, 
We cannot do this. We cannot cause instability to go down. We cannot cause hate to go down. We cannot cause division to go down. Because the idea of love in society is not what love really is. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. If you love, love in the way the Bible sets up, if you love like that, it's because you know God. You can tell when somebody doesn't know God because their love will not look like what Paul writes about. Their love will not try to be like what Paul writes about. It'll try to be accepting. It'll try to be the idea of equal. But these people won't have a depth that us who follow Christ have, which is part of why our responsibility as Christians is to follow and to show Christ's love to people. Because it is, it's not of us. It's Christ in us working through us. It's Christ in us working through us to lead others to his love because he had the ultimate love for all of us, even the sinners who think the social construct of love is what love really is. And he has a desire to know them. But the thing about this scripture, if we go back to 1 Corinthians 13, is it says, love never ends. Love never ends. His love will never end. Our love for somebody, if it comes from us, might end if we don't know Christ. Our love for something, something is always going to end. But Christ's love for us will not end. And through him, our love for others will not end. If we are in Christ, our love for him and for others will never cease to exist. It says, but as for prophecies, they will come to an end. Prophecies will be fulfilled. And languages, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. All these things that we hold to be important and may even love in the idea of society, they will come to an end. But love will never end. Love will be eternal because God will be eternal. And that is the truth. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. For now we see indistinctly as in a mirror. The fact of the matter is, is we cannot grow in Christ if we do not understand his love. We cannot have churches preaching that we can just be accepting of sin. That is not walking in Christ. And that's not to say that we just hate people because they sin. Because we're all sinners and the wages of death is sin. Or the wages of sin is death. Excuse me. But the thing is, is that if we hate other people, we're not showing Christ's love. So the idea that Christians are hateful and that Christians don't understand love, but that love will fix everything, then that person's not a Christian. Because to show Christ's love is to show Christ's love to everybody so that they may come to Christ, despite the sins. And I know that this even this is a big sentiment in homosexuality, especially in the States. I know this because it's been told to me, that because I'm a Christian, I must hate somebody who is gay. But how else would I bring that person to Christ without showing them the love that Christ desires to show him himself? And be a part of their life. So this idea that love can fix everything. Love can fix everything. If the definition of love we are talking about is Christ. Because Christ came to save us and cleanse us of our sins. If we don't have Christ in love, then nothing will ever get fixed. But love never ends. Because his truth and God is everlasting. And that is the best news. So now these three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Because the greatest 
thing that ever happened to humanity was Christ being hung on that cross, arm stretched to arm, out for us. That was the ultimate act of love. It was not necessarily the ultimate act of hope. It was not necessarily the ultimate act of faith. It was the ultimate act of love. And through that ultimate act and sacrifice of love, we may know him. We may have faith in him. We may hope for the future. And we can look forward to Christ coming back. And it is important we understand this concept of love because if we don't, if we don't understand what love is through Christ, that's why we have incivility. That's why the idea of just loving people for the sake of loving people will never work and does not work. And it's why society has gone more downhill recently than uphill. Sure, people are more accepting. Sure, three-fourths of Americans are okay with the idea of homosexuality. Sure, more people today are getting divorces than 50 years ago. Because that's not love. That is not love. Chasing after your sin is not love. Chasing after Christ is. Now, the reason this is something that I've been going over a lot is because we can throw the word around love and not understand the weight it has. And whenever we look to the idea of fixing our culture, in fact, there is a church in my area where their vision is a world where every life is driven by love. And this is one of those churches that doesn't preach about Christ. Think about a world where every life is driven by love and not just the love that the New York Times writes about, but the love of Christ. That is our mission as Christians, is to be driven by that love, that definition of love, the love of Christ to show to other people. It's not about being civil. It's not about tolerating people. It's not about tolerating sin. It's not about accepting sin. It's about living a life that demonstrates Christ's love. And that is what 1 Corinthians 13 talks about, is the expression of love by the definition that John writes about. And if we don't have Christ in our lives, if I speak in human or angelic languages, but I do not have Christ, I am a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith so that mountains can move, but I do not have Christ, I am nothing. And if I donate all my goods to feed the poor, and if I give my body in order to boast, but I do not have Christ, I gain nothing. I don't gain Christ's love. I don't gain the glory of heaven one day and the glory of knowing him and just being able to praise him. Christ is patient. Christ is kind. Christ does not envy. It's not boastful. It's not conceited. It does not act improperly. Christ's love when he was on this earth was patient, was kind, rejoiced in truth, found joy in righteousness. And it's because we chase Christ that that is how our love should look. And that's the aspiration of our love. Because there was a standard and a basis thousands of years ago for how we are to act. Christ didn't accept sin. He sought out the sinner and he showed them love. Christ didn't accept what the tax collectors were doing. He sat and ate with them so that way they may know his love and know what he stood for. Christ didn't ignore sin. Christ didn't ignore the idea or even support the idea that being equal and ah, oh, that ooey gooey feeling on the inside. You know, Christ was human too. Christ saw division in his time. But Christ showed what love really is. 
Christ showed his father's love. Christ set the standard of how we are to act and how we are to love because God is love. And this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. The churches that are preaching the idea of the uigui love, Christ is not in them. Christ is not in them and it's not teaching. People who claim to be Christian but are supporting of all these sins, I would argue they do not know Christ's love. They can support a person because they want to show them Christ's love and bring them into the kingdom. But people who support those sins, people who support equality and unity over unity in Christ are sacrificing so much when the sacrifice was already made. And because of this, we find ourselves in crisis today. So those three thoughts, that we can be a good person, without love, we're nothing. Because without Christ, we're nothing. Secondly, that love is not always easy to do on our own. On our own, we cannot love. But through Christ, we can love. We can express love because he makes our love more perfect and complete. And three, love never ends because the truth of Jesus never ends. The truth of Christ never ends. And it lives on and on forever. Why? Because the definition of love is not what the New York Times wrote about in October of 2001. God is love. Whoever does not know love does not know God. And if you don't know God today, then I encourage you to pray and just give your heart to him because he desires to have a relationship with you. He desires to show his love to you. In a world that has more hate and incivility and excuses for, quote, love, they're missing out. And if you're one of these people, you're missing out. And I would just ask that you would pray and give your heart to Christ. Get plugged into a church that teaches what is in the Bible and what Christ has to say about love. Because in there, your love will be made complete. Your life will be made complete. Because that's a desire he has for your life. And don't let society tell you what love is. Don't let the, te- the teachings in churches that don't base their church off of Christ, don't let them tell you what love is. Let what God has to say about love tell you what he is. And if you follow him, I can promise your life will be made more complete. This is Being Bold. This is Katie Thomas speaking on Being Bold. And today I just pray that you understand what love is. And if you're a Christian, that you just show love to people around you regardless because it's not just about being civil anymore in society. We are on a mission to take as many people as we can to heaven. And if you're a teenager in a school where you get bullied or if you're at a workplace and people don't like you, show love. Show the love of Christ. So that way the social construct of love can be taken down with what love really means. Thank you all for listening. Have a wonderful day.